There's a scripture, and this is not even in my message. There's a scripture in the Bible that talks about God looking, and he says, I'm looking for somebody to stand in the gap. In other words, there's people that need me, and I'm, and I'm looking for some of you to stand in the gap for them, whether it be physically stand or maybe stand in the gap praying for people who need salvation, for people who need healing, for me, people who need maybe relationships restored. So at the end of service, we're going to, we're going to take a few minutes, and before we dismiss, we'll, we're going to pray over you and then the people that you are praying for. Because remember, this year for our seven-day restart, and one of the things I'm really emphasizing this year is that we not only take our one step, but that we bring somebody with us. There's somebody else that needs a touch from God or needs to know Jesus that doesn't, that we're going to bring with us. You know, we've talked about in this series, and we're going to close it out today, that the first thing is that God doesn't have a speaking problem. We have a hearing problem. God still talks to us. If you don't believe me, come see me and I'll lay it out again for you through the Bible. You can go back uh, three weeks ago and listen to the first message. The second thing was that I can talk to God and he wants to listen. The Bible says, David writes in the book of Psalm that God kneels down and leans his ear toward us to listen and I believe that's true for those even who aren't saved. Why? Because he's their creator. And he wants to have a relationship with them just like he does with those of us who have been serving him for a long time. Last week we talked about the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit's not an it, it's not a thing. It's the third person and it's the part of God in us that brings us power, that is our counselor, it's our helper, and it's our friend that it's very much to be a part of our lives. So today as we close out our seven-day, our prayer, Pray First series and the seven-day restart, I want to give you something um, that will help you once we are praying to begin to tune your ears to God a little bit more. But as you may remember, that the, the focus of this series is that a praying becomes our first response, not our last hope. That we're praying before we send the text message. We're praying before we um, make a big decision. Before you let somebody have it and tell them what you think. That maybe you stop and ask God, should I do this? And we ask God for some wisdom. But the question is, when we ask God for wisdom, it's this question. And I feel something, or I think I hear God. How do I know it's God? How do I know what I'm hearing is not my conscience? The way I describe it to people is I've, your conscience is connected to your mind, your will, and emotions, and your conscience, your feelings will lie to you, right? If you don't know that, let me inform you today of a truth. Your feelings will lie to you. They will tell you the world is coming to an end. If you don't believe me, talk to a teenager who has just got broke up by their first boyfriend-girlfriend, right? The world is over as I know it, and their emotions lie to them. So when I feel something, how do I know it's God? How do I know that I laid down last night and maybe as I slept, I, I felt like God was telling me something? How do I know it wasn't the, you know, the whole pizza I ate right before I laid down and the weird dream I was having? How do I know it wasn't just something else in my life try, you know, making me think that it's God? Well, I hope during the restart this week, if, even if you didn't get to join us in person, that you were praying and talking to God. And I want to give you some things, that, again, that are going to help you be familiar with God's voice. I want to take some of the pressure off of you, and I'm going to do it with this. If some of y'all need to learn this, 
Some of y'all are well aware of this, but this is very much truth and it will bring you some peace. And that's this. We all miss it. When it comes to hearing God, just like it does in a relationship, we miss it. This is my, Melanie and I have been married 24 and a half years. We'll be 25 in July. And still after 25 years, she tells me something. I leave and come back and completely miss what she told me. Or she tells me yes and yes and what I heard was no. Or she tells me go and I hear stay, right? We just miss it. Well, we do the same thing with God. And so I want you to take some pressure off of you that people miss it. Even godly people miss it. The Bible does say for those in ministry, those pastors, that we're held to a higher standard, but that's in our life. But you know, pastors miss it too. I don't claim to, to, to always have it right and always be perfect, but I do understand that uh, how I can know God and know it's him, him and not something else in my life. Um, you know, and I, I can prove this to you by... If you've been around, you've heard this story before. But when I was in seminary at Oral Roberts, I had a professor who I highly, highly trusted. She was my advisor. Um, she was just very kind, helped me through the process of getting a, a graduate degree. And when I told her, hey, I think I'm going to marry this girl. I think this is the one. She asked me, she said, well, you're firstborn, right? I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, well, what about the girl? I said, well, she's firstborn too. And she said, oh, she says, I'm going to give you wisdom. You don't need to marry a firstborn. It never works when you marry firstborn, firstborn. And she went into all the psychology of it all. But I knew in my heart what I had heard. 25 years later, I think I was right. 25 years later, I think I did pretty good. I may not have done much right in the world, but I think I made a good decision. So here I had somebody in their best of intent, godly telling me something. Even well-intended people that you don't know. A few months later, after this, I was on a praise team, and we, every year we played this big, we were the worship for this large annual women's conference, like two, 3,000 women. Um, ladies, I'm sorry, but when you get two or 3,000 women in one place, things get crazy. <laughs> And so we had a running bet in, in the band because the band was all guys and then we had female singers, but we had a running bet that which of us um, this year was going to get the marriage proposal. And every year after it was over, some, somebody would wander up and they would say this, I was praying during the service and God just showed me you and I think you're supposed to marry my daughter. And that was the bet. Every single year. Now, they're well-intended. I, I, I don't know what they heard. But in my case, two months later, this lady wanders up to me, says the exact same thing. And I, and I just told her, I said, oh, well, thank you. I'll, I'll pray about that. I didn't have to tell her. She didn't notice that I already had a ring on my finger. We had already been engaged. We were getting married a couple months later. I didn't tell her that, no, I had fully found the one that God promised me. And she thought she heard God, but it was, she was really, in the best of her attention, trying to follow God. But the Bible tells us that you can test God. Not test him like, uh, like the devil tried to do Jesus, but you can test and prove that his word's true. Look what the Bible says in John chapter 4. 
It said, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak to you by the Spirit. Notice it's a capital S. That's the Holy Spirit, by God. You must test them to see if the Spirit, little s, they have even comes from God. Why? Because look what the next verse says in Proverbs. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it's not. It leads to death. I hear people tell me all the time that I feel like God's leading me or God's telling me to or I feel like God's giving me instruction. I had a married friend of mine years ago at work. He met a, a lady, a new lady came into the office and he came to me and said, I feel like God's telling me to leave my wife because this is my true soulmate. And I, I gave him that verse that talked about testing the spirit. And I said, bro, I don't know what spirit you're listening to, but that wasn't the Holy Spirit. And he was trying to justify it with all these the big terms and my, you know, my spiritual soulmate that I can go do my ministry with and on and on. I was like, no, you're, that's not God because God's not going to go against his word. You know, that we, we say and do things because we think God wants us happier. This would make, I'm thinking this is what God wants me to do because it'll make me happy. Well, let me tell you this, and this may not be the most encouraging thing you hear today, but it's still true. God doesn't want you happy. He wants you holy. And when you're holy, you can hang out with him, and that will make you happy. A lot of us make decisions, again, because our emotions say, well, I need this. I need that new. I need to purchase this. I don't like the woman I have. I need a new one. I don't like the guy I have. I need a new one. I don't like, I'm not satisfied. I need something new. Like God, and God's going to just give it to you to make me happy. And let me, let me warn you of this. If you chase happiness in trying to hear God, you'll be miserable. Now, people hear me say that God doesn't want you happy. He wants you holy and think, well, is he trying to make me miserable? No, because the Bible says that he'll give you everything you need. There's a verse in the book of Psalms that said he, he'll give you the desires of your heart. But it's in hearing him and following him is the key. So today, before we pray, I want to give you four things. I'm going to give you four checks, a list. You can check off and say, I heard this. This is what I'm feeling. God's telling me. Now, is it God? Because how many of you would like a, a clear, certain way that you could go, I know for sure God told me. Okay, for those of you who don't, you will. That you want to be able to go, I know for a fact this is what God told me to do. This is what somebody's telling me because it's that clear to me. It can be that clear. And you can use all four of these. Really, you can use just one. But I thought as I've lived my life, these four things have what's begun to guide my life. And I've used for 20, 25 years now. Even I learned them through my father and through my family. And the first one is this. It's what I'm hearing. Does it line up with the Bible? This seems rather elementary. But you would be surprised how many people will tell me. I did a series, and I'm thinking about doing it again soon. We did a series called God Never Said That. And people base their lives off things they think God said, but God never said that. Like, for example, cleanliness is next to... God never said that. But yet we'll have people that will hear phrases and they sound biblical and they sound... And they, well, God told me this. 
It must be, this verse says this. Well, no, God didn't say that. The Bible, the Bible says it's infallible truth, the word of God. God cannot do a couple things. He can't change, and he can't go against his word. Because if he goes against his word, he changed. And he can't change because that would be going against his word. So the Bible says that God's voice will never go against it. No exceptions. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, that all scripture is God-breathed and useful. And then it gives this list of teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and in righteousness. It's helpful. We cannot just change his words to fit what we want. And sadly, there are churches all over the country that just forget part of the Bible because it's not easy or they can't deal with it. There's churches that change things because they, they're trying to make themselves relevant, and the irony of it is they're not. God's as relevant as, as he can get. It's not going to change. You can't bend it and twist it. There's a theology term I'm going to give you. Before I do, look at the scripture. It says, God... This is Numbers chapter uh, 23. It said, God is not human that he could not lie. He's a human being that he should change. So if he can't change, that means everything he said is true. Everything he said fits. If you, there's all kinds of Bible studies that you can link through the Bible that connects it all over thousands of years that the Bible is written. It connects it all together. But there's this biblical theology term that is called this, the whole counsel of God. That you don't just take one particular verse, take this little piece out that you want, and forget the rest. My question if people come and ask me, well, what do you think God says, or what do you think the Bible says? Well, let's look at the whole counsel of God. Let's look at what the Bible tells us as a whole. Even the devil used God's word against him, trying to remember the Bible said, hey, if you turn this into bread, and Jesus said to him, hey, man doesn't live on bread alone. Even the devil began to twist the word and try to fool Jesus himself as he was, as he was tempting him. So the first thing is, does it line up with the Bible? The second thing, is it going to make me more like him? Is what I'm feeling, what God's leading me, what he's saying, going to make me more like him? And for those of you who say, well, I've never heard God, I would beg to differ because the Bible tells us that it, without the Holy Spirit calling you to him, you can't, even, you can't even come to Jesus. So if you know Jesus, and if you don't, that's an easy thing to step through. But if, if you've heard, if you've met Jesus, then you've heard God. Because the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, hey, makes that possible. And hearing him, making me more like him, starts with Christ, accepting Jesus. John chapter 3, verse 30 says this, that he, will, he must become greater, so I must become less. This is part of where we take our one step from, that we're, we want to help everybody, and every day, every, every chance we get, take one step from the all about me club to the I'm all about him. From the it's what's important to me club to the it's what's important to him club. And that's what we're doing. And all anything you hear from God is going to move you to that. Again, I get this all the time. I feel like I'm supposed to. I feel like I, 
I need to because God's telling me. Well, you remember the, uh, they used to have the little bracelets that had WWJD? Well, the church, we just ruined those. Because the fact of the matter is, if you ask somebody on a topic, what would Jesus do? Remember, your word's not going to lead you away from God. It's going to confirm what he said. They wouldn't know their Bible, so they wouldn't know what Jesus was going to do. So Jesus gets blamed for all kinds of stuff and gets attributed for all kinds of stuff that he never said. That the world, again, is about making us happy, not holy. 1 John 2, 5 and 6 says that but who, anyone that obeys his word, love, anyone who obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in him. Why? Because you, you know the love. You follow his word. Whoever claims to live in him must live and look and smell like Jesus. And that's my question to you this morning is what you're feeling as you, got, as you prayed this week. As God begin to answer you and God begin to give you direction, is it in line with his word? Does it move you toward God? Does it move you, make you more like Jesus? The Bible actually says this about our journey, that in the end, once we get to heaven, whether you go before Jesus comes or Jesus comes back and takes us all, that one day we're going to stand face to face with Jesus and that we'll understand... Now we see dim like a dirty glass, but when we stand in front of God, we're going to see him clearly. We're going to see Jesus clearly. That our whole one-step thing, again, is helping people get so when they stand before God that you look as much like Jesus as possible and that you understand what Jesus looks like. You understand what he talks like. You understand what it, how he would act. And that's what... Hearing God does, it moves you closer. The Bible's never going to go against the voice of God, and anything that God tells you is going to move you closer to Him. Now, with the third one. So I look at the Bible, I look at is it going to make me more like Christ, and then I look at this. Does godly counsel agree? Now, this one is important. This one is very important to me. And this one, I believe, over my life has protected me a lot. But it's also the one that the world has the most problem with. And that's because we as humans, maybe even more so just Americans, we don't like to be told what to do. Right? We don't want somebody... And again, no matter where your political leaning is, whether you think you should have big government, little government, none of us like to be told what to do. We want to make our own decision. In the, in the United States, we say, it's my right to make my own decision. It's my right. But I'm going to tell you something I've learned the hard way. And if you don't know this, you are like me, whether you like it or not. And I don't always get things right. I'm not always right. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. She will give you a laundry list of things of how I'm not right. She remembers all of them. If you know my wife, she has an excellent memory. She reminds me what I said July 4th, 2006. I don't remember what I said yesterday. 
but godly counsel. Even in our church, we have our church set up so that we have what we call our local board as our trustees. They help and watch over us financially. They give me a budget to operate by. There's a good check and balances. We, I use them to we make big decisions together. I trust their wisdom. I trust that they can hear God and base it on these things. I also have overseers, which are other guys in ministry. Kenny Large, who will actually be here in a couple weeks. And uh, Pastor Jay Coleman from Journey Church in Louisiana. That their job is, if I start bucking godly counsel, they have the authority to remove me, to sit me down, to correct me, to send me the counseling, to give me godly counsel. So when, when I listen to godly counsel, you have to know this. There's a difference between godly and good. I know some people who are good, but they're not what? Godly. They live their life by some good principles, but all good principles aren't godly. And it sounds very judgy, and maybe it is. But for my life, for my wife and my kids, I'm going to be pretty picky. I hope you appreciate this, but I get calls monthly. Hey, I'm a traveling speaker, or I'm pastor here or there, and, and you know, I'm going to be in your area, and I'd like to come fill your pulpit. My answer is, who are you? You could be the best and latest and greatest, but if I don't know you, and I don't know that you're somebody that's under godly counsel, that you are not under authority, then you ain't standing up here. Why? Because you're important to me. And the same way I would want somebody, the qualified teachers that teach my daughter in high school, I want them qualified. I want them trained. I just don't want them to walk out front and go, you look like you could teach algebra. Come on in. We want the best, right? Well, I want that for my, my family. So godly counsel is different than good. Godly counsel, how do you know? Because they have fruit. The Bible says, by their fruit, you'll know they're part of me. Here's the other caution I give you. This is not a shopping trip. Now, this is a chance for honesty. How many of you, when you feel like you're leading God's, or something in life you want to go do, and you go to the first friend, that first friend tells you, that's a harebrained idea, that's stupid, don't do that. How many of you go down the list and go, okay, I'll call number two? And you keep going down the list until what? Somebody says, that's awesome. Well, what about the other six people who told you no, that was stupid? See, you have godly people in place in your life before you need them. This is why we, we encourage people. If you're not in a group, a grow group, you need to get in a group. And you get into a group and you begin to learn each other and learn about each other and figure out, hey, this person's walked through life and followed the Bible. They've had some issues, but I've seen them come out of it. You find some godly people. And the way you do that is in a group. It's letting people connect with you. Even among our teenagers, we had our prayer uh, part of the week on Wednesday night, and we had 50-something teenagers in here. Teenagers, even you guys, you need to find somebody in your life, in your school, that you know shows some fruit of God. So when you have something you need help with, 
you know who to go to. And here's the kicker that takes out most people with godly counsel, and that's this. You have to be willing to hear the word no. And if you've had kids, you realize they don't like that. Well, adults don't like it either. Do you think I should quit here and go here? Do you think I should you know, go to this school or this school? That I've always told my, my daughters, hey, I'm gonna t- if it's not going to be good for you, I'm not going to lead you there. And if I tell you no, it's not because I'm trying to suck all the fun out of life, but it's because it's not what's best for you. Godly counsel has to, be, has to have a place in your life where you can say no or hear no and be okay with it. Matter of fact, a, a man I respect that used to tell me, um, the way you know you're under authority is when you can smile when somebody's telling you no. When you can smile when somebody's going the opposite and telling you to do the opposite of what you thought was best. Because a lot of us don't. We get our feelings hurt and we go move down the road to somebody else. And then we move down the road until they tell us what we want to hear. And that just doesn't work. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, that the way of fools seems what? Right. It seems like it would be a good idea. Anybody ever had a good idea that right in the middle of making that decision, you realize this was not a good idea? When I was 18, my senior year of high school, um, I was not a crazy wild partying senior. I didn't... I don't know, more so probably because I was afraid of my parents. I never really was, got into the party. I hung out with people that partied, but I never really partied. And my senior year of high school, we had, we, they call, I think they have it here too, you call it senior skip day, right? Well, where I grew up in, in East Tennessee, we had lakes all around us. So a lot of times after schools, we would, if we went and had sports or didn't have practice, we had friends that all had boats and we would go to the lake. So senior day, we had all planned it out. We had like six or eight of our friends all had boats. And there was, we had so many people on the boat that one of them, we had, I was afraid it was going to sink. I mean, it was just that way too many people, way beyond legal. And so we're spending the day riding around on senior layout day. And we have this bridge that goes across the lake. The, it's, you can go find it today. It's called the Vault Bridge. And one of our friends had a really nice fishing boat, and that fishing boat had a, had a depth finder that showed you what everything looked like on the bottom. He got like a 3D image of the bottom. And so they started daring each other. I bet nobody will jump off that bridge. This is literally, you remember how your mama tell you, somebody else jumps off a bridge, are you going to jump off? Yeah, well, I did. <laughs> and my friends were, were challenging me, and they were not giving me good godly counsel. They were not, they were, it was bad. They challenged me. They took us over the side. My buddy and I got up on the bridge. We had to run to the middle of the bridge because it's hundreds and hundreds of yards long. To get to the middle, they said, jump right here. As I begin to jump, I hear lights and sirens coming down the four lane. And I, let me add that. I was standing on the bridge on the side of a four lane highway. So what did people start doing? There's a jumper on the bridge. There's a jumper on the bridge. Lights and sirens. 
And my buddy and I saw him and we just jumped. Hit the water. Let me tell you this, jump with shoes. And if you jump from this high, and I realized, I found this out afterwards. In the state of Tennessee, anything over 80 feet is considered suicide. I was over 80 feet. Thank God I had on shoes. But I was dripping water for weeks. I'll let you guys think about hitting the water from 100 feet in the air. I come up out of the water. My friends grab me, pull me up. My, they grab the other guy, throw us in the boat, and take off. We look up to see a cop car come sliding down the bridge, and the cop car actually slides into the water. Yeah, he was not happy. We disappeared quick. You see, a lot of us, we do stuff because we think it's a good idea. We go shopping around. There was somebody in that boat that I trusted that was telling me, that's stupid. Don't do that. You don't, you don't, that's going to hurt. It's going to kill you. Yet there were other people I shopped around for. And I went with them to find somebody that would tell me what I wanted to hear. To send me on to doing it. That we understand. Number four is, I'll tell you what, ushers, you guys can do it. Go ahead and do your thing and then we'll, I'll give you this one. So it's, there's a Bible lineup. Does it make me more like Christ? Does godly counsel agree? And then number four is this. And this one, until you learn the rest of them, this is the one I always trust. Number four is, do I have peace? Do I have peace? Do I have something inside of me? Because the Bible says that he's not a God. Look at this in verse uh, 33 of 1 Corinthians 14. It says, for God is not a God of disorder. And say this with me, but of, he's not a God of disorder, but he's a God of peace. I really think, I, they didn't ask me when they translated this, that this should be translated with a capital P. Because the Bible says that one of the names of God, that he is my, it's where you hear the, the Jewish people say shalom. He, he, he's peace. He's my peace. Look what it goes on in, in this is Philippians 7. It says, and the peace of God, this is the verse I quote all the time. This proves to me you don't have to understand the whole Bible to follow him because it says that the peace of God transcends all understanding. And then it does something. It guards your heart. And when you lack peace, this is where the word comes from. You have the dis-ease. When you have a dis-ease in your life, it might be God talking to you. It might be God telling you, hey, this is, that's not me. Don't, uh-uh. Go back and listen to it. Because you're going to have a clash between your flesh and God. At some point, your life is going to feel like, I need to go this way, and you're not going to have peace. A lack of peace should be a waving red flag. And again, I'm going to tell you something from personal experience. Don't blow through the red flags. Even if a decision you're gonna make might cost you a little more money, if it might cost you to miss some time with friends or whatever it may be, 
Don't blow through those red flags. It will save you more when you can listen to the voice of God and begin to have that peace that passes understanding that will guard your hearts. My encouragement to you is we're going to continue to pray. We're still going to have this pray first. And by the way, there's still more bracelets out there if you didn't get one to live our lives this week. I encourage you, we did this with, I did this with, with Landon as I assigned him to my bracelet. And he still needs prayer. He's still got some recovery to go through. But you know what? I go, okay, God, you answered my prayers in. Landon's home. When they said he shouldn't be home. Even the surgeon said, he we can't answer this. Even some of the other medical folks I've talked to said it, it shouldn't have happened, but it did. Why? Because I prayed first. I want to encourage you to, to assign something, somebody you're believing for to the bracelet. And before you worry about it, before you let them worry about it, remind them, hey, pray first. I know we don't see the answer. Why? Because the Bible says I can have peace that passes my understanding. I don't know how God's going to do it. I just know that he is. That I have peace that goes beyond, beyond the, the little beam between my ears. That if I can fit God in here and understand it all, it's probably not a good thing. That God's bigger than my mind, bigger than what I can think or imagine. When we, before we leave today, we're going to pray in just a minute. Before we do, we always offer people a chance to meet Jesus. The Bible says that salvation is simply, I believe it in my heart. I confess it with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And when you do, salvation is yours. And you begin to walk and find understanding. You don't have to understand it all right now. When you tell him, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. It's a word called repentance. That it leads you to be more like God, more like Christ. And if that's you this morning, just let me pray with you. If you want to, you don't have to jump up, raise your hand. But I would ask you to fill out the card in front of you so we can encourage you. But it's simply a prayer like this. Say, God, I, I ask you now to come and be my Savior, to be my Lord. I believe it in my heart and confess it with my mouth. You are my God, my King. God, I'm sorry for not getting it right. And today, God, I start to follow you. I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to listen. And I'm going to let you lead and guide me in Jesus' name. It's that simple. Amen. Now, as we close, we're going to close out uh, for prayer. I've asked uh, some of our leaders, if I, if I talk to you about coming up and praying, if you guys want to come on up, if you guys in the congregation would stand up with me. I want to encourage you in this. I'm going to ask something. Of, I normally, we normally don't do this, and we normally don't do this probably as regular as we should. But I want to ask something of you. We hear people talk about a step of faith. And as we're ending in prayer this week, couple of the things we've been praying about is that I believe God, if he can do a miracle for Landon, Landon, if he can do it for you, then there's the rest of us who still need miracles in our life. If he can restore a relationship like he has to the person to your right or to your left, then guess what? He can do it for you. And the verse that I started with talking about, there's a verse in the Bible that says that I'm looking for somebody to stand in the gap. So what I'd like to do this morning we got just a few minutes left. We plan time in it, so we're not going to hold you over, but I want you to have this opportunity and it's going to take a step of faith of a couple things. 
not just these things, but you can come forward for any of these things. First, if, if you or somebody you know just needs a miracle, whether it be a healing or maybe a healing in a relationship, maybe it's sickness in your body, maybe it's cancer, maybe it's the thing they said, you're, it, the world says it's over. The other thing is we're really praying this year that we will take one step and take people with us. If there's somebody that you've been praying for, I call them my lifesavers. There's people that I'm continually praying for until I see God bring them to church and bring them to Him. If you fit any one of those things, I'm going to ask everybody now to just kind of pray for saying, God, do I need something? Do I need to go have somebody agree with me? Or is there somebody I need to be in agreement with? And if that's you this morning, if you say, yes, there is somebody, what I'm going to ask you to do is right now, don't wait, don't come, don't let the devil talk you out. Don't not come because the devil talks you about it. Just come and find one of these people. I'm going to be down here in the front. You just line up across the front. If somebody's not in front of you, they'll get to you. And we're going to believe for healing. We're going to believe for the restored marriages. We're going to believe for the, the lost family to come home. We're going to believe for the finances that need to be healed. We're going to close out this week believing for God. Come on now. Don't be shy. I know you're out there. I don't beg and, and prod much, but I'm, I'm begging you as your pastor. Just come up, stand shoulder to shoulder. You don't have to stand behind. You guys can come on, come on along beside. Go ahead. Just stand shoulder to shoulder. There's some more over here to this side if somebody wants to go over here. Don't be ashamed. I'm not holding you out. I'm not going to hold you longer. Some of you guys over here can come on this side. But we're going to do this. What I'm going to ask you to do, anybody else, we'll stay as long as we need, and I'll dismiss everybody just a second. I promise I'm not going to hold you over. All right, what I'm going to ask you to do, whether you're at home or you're still in the congregation, is the Bible says that we can lift each other up in faith. So just as an act of faith, I'm just going to ask you just to stretch out your hand. Just like, okay, God, I'm, I'm believing. I don't even know what they're praying for, God, but I'm believing. And God, I thank you for all the people here today. All the people along this row, and God, even for those who maybe were nervous about coming up. God, we thank you for supernatural healing that your word tells us that by your stripes we were made whole, by your stripes we're healed. And that when we gather the elders together, God, and we pray over people that you move, God, we thank you for supernatural healing. God, I thank you for people coming to know you, that those individuals that I'm praying for, I still have complete faith that you're gonna, you're gonna open their hearts to you. Their lives will be healed, restored, Father. They will know you and spend eternity with you. God, for those in the room who maybe you're going through bumpy marriages and bumpy relationships, that God, you'll bring peace. You'll restore life. You'll bring health into those relationships. God, for those who maybe have wayward children, and God, they're running from you. God, that they'll come home. They'll come home to you. They'll, they'll feel your draw, just like the prodigal son, God, when he came home, that he's welcomed with open arms that God, we can't outrun you. We can't get too far from you. That every step we take away from you, Father God, you're right behind us. That it's just that one step to turn around and walk to you. And we thank you for that right now, God. God, I thank you for those maybe struggling in their finances. That God, that you would give them wisdom to make good decisions, good financial decisions. God, that you would bless them. 
that you would open their eyes to see where you're leading them, to bring them financial help. God, I thank you for bringing us life. God, I thank you for bringing us, God, just a desire to follow you more, to listen closely. And God, we thank you for it now. I thank you for coming. God, just hanging out with us a little bit. That today we get to leave here knowing that prayers are answered, that miracles happen. God, we thank you for Landon. I thank you as he sits home right now. God, right there on Housendale Road, you show up and you continue the miracles. You continue healing in his mouth and healing in his arm. God, everything that was broken that the enemy tried to take away, God, you just put it back just like it was. That for all the people that are here, all these people that are on cards and prayer requests, God, that you, you've answered them, that you're moving. For the lost, they've come home. For the hurting, they've found comfort. And God, we thank you that they're not just cards on a stage, Father God, but they're your people that you love. They're not just numbers, God, but their names and their stories all matter to you. And God, we thank you for it now. God, I ask you to come and have your way. God, use us. Have your way in our lives. And God, for all of those who have stepped to the front, we thank you that you honor their step of faith. And God, we just trust you. We trust you and we take one step closer to you today. And God, we thank you for it now that you come and move and bring us closer as we step closer to you. And I thank you, Father God, for that now. In Jesus' name, and everybody who believes his word and believes his truth said, Amen. come on, say it like you meant it. Amen. 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 If you still would like prayer, I encourage you to stay up front. Somebody on the prayer team will, will come get to you. For everybody in the congregation, keep praying that we pray first, right? We pray first. I'm going to pray and bless you, and then we're going to go enjoy our afternoon. God, I thank you that we just get to hang out with you. God, for all the people up front, that you you bless them, you, you minister to them. And God, as we leave here, you bring us life and healing and strength. God, that we bring us closer to you and that we hear your word and follow you because we learn your voice. We talk to you as a loving father. And God, we follow and obey. And God, we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Ushers, you guys can grab the lights. You guys can be dismissed. We will see you back here next week.